Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Today's feast Saint John Climacus. He lived on Sinai and close to the burning bush, which uh, the fire appeared upon of the divinity of the Holy Trinity. And if you go there, the bush is there, you can see it, and they protect it pretty well. And uh, I don't know if anybody destroyed it, but somebody tried to destroy it, but it came back up. So it's from the same root anyway. St. John of Camacus is an ascetical father. We are dogmatic fathers and teachers. Uh, he is a father about how to live your life ascetically. If you go in the small chapel in the monastery, on the right wall, when you go in, those are all ascetical fathers. They're in those icons there. So he wrote the uh, book, which we're required in the monastery to read during Great Lent. And it's his book of 30 steps to get to Theoria de Mystica, that means mystical prayer. And of course, the first few steps are uh, just uh, the ones you really know. First of all, freedom of uh, serious sin. Second one, purification. And third is deification. Those are the big three steps. But you just can't take them like that. So in the latter, he's telling us the things to avoid to get up those 30 steps to deification. Now, very few of us will uh, feel fully deified uh, in this life. But all of us who reach the heavenly kingdom will be deified according to our capacity. So the idea is to build up your capacity to receive the divine life within you in the heavenly kingdom. And then he warns you through these steps. If you have any of these habits, you should do away with them. Now, all the fathers, uh, the Dragmatic Fathers, St. John Christian, based with the great, great theologian, Gregory Nazianz, and all his people, who are from, they come up before the fourth century, we call them the Apostolic Fathers. They teach us that the Christian, much live the Christian life. So if you read Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells us to keep the Ten Commandments, but he goes on, the apostles who wrote that go on, and in that Matthew's Gospel, they're always describing to us the ascetical life by parables or other things. They're teaching us this thing. So we have to kind of climb this ladder. So really, they're telling you, you have to live the life of a monk. Now, the most important thing to gain 
to get up the ladder is an ascetical life, a disciplined life. Not a great deal is said about that in churches. I guess the pastor figures if he gets them up to the third rung, that's pretty good. Sometimes I think I get up to the first rung, and sure enough, I get grumpy or something, and I fall back down to the first. So anyway, it's a challenge to get up the ladder of divine ascent. But it's not impossible, because we have many, many saints to have gone up that ladder and lived that life. Now, how can I tell if I'm making progress spiritually? First of all, you need a spiritual father. Because some people, they have illusions about their perfection. And somebody has to tell them, well, that's not it. People come here and tell me how holy they are. I know they're holy, but they want to impress me with their visions and stuff like that. I'm not impressed. It's not the way it works. If you're going to be a miracle worker, it will happen before you know it. It's interesting. And people tell us, like the monastery here, he says there's miracles happening all around us. I don't see them. But they say that, and I believe half miracles are happening all around us because Bishop Kurt came out here. He said, this is a house of miracles, this, this beautiful temple we're in. He says, so beware. But the real miracle workers are those who fast and pray. All too long, especially among Catholics, it's a minimalistic praxis. They say, well, we did the morning offering, we said our acutition at night, or at least do that. But there's much more to it. And they're not very good when it comes to liturgical ceremonies. They don't spend time in prayer in the church with the liturgy. They go because they have to fulfill their obligation. And some of them come in late. One used to call me on the phone and tell me, Father, when are you going to get to the gospel? Because he was convinced if you were there for the gospel, it was fine. But actually, there should be preparation for liturgy, prayer should be said, and we should be there for the whole thing. Liturgy is heaven on earth. Other people come and they say, I don't understand the liturgy. What that means is they're not catechized. They don't know the sacred signs and the meaning of the biblical signs that we use in the celebration of the liturgy. They're all revealed. It's all revealed. Christ used these signs. He gave us the words, of his own words to use to perfect the Eucharist. But they don't, they don't know the Bible either. And when they read the Bible, they don't get the connection. It's because they're not struggling to go up the ladder. Because as you go up the ladder praying, you get the connection. Now, St. John of the Ladder, 
he was sort of persona non God. I guess he was a little mouthy or something. And so they put him out all by himself, way up at the top. You can go see his cell. It's still there. There's a big rock there. I, I didn't go up there. I couldn't. I didn't think I could climb all the way up. But I had Christians that went all the way up to where Moses received the commandments. So anyway, I I didn't. I just don't think I had the strength to go up there. So I didn't go over there. But anyway, we are all going up that ladder. We have to accomplish the conquering of our passions. I've been a long priest a long time. 50, I think 50, 50, oh, something like 54 years or so, maybe 56 years, I don't know. I've listened to a lot of confessions. I don't usually comment on people's confessions. It's their confession, not mine. Once or twice I said to him, did you prepare for your confession? Did you take time to say Psalm 50 and go over the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes? And then prepare yourself for your confessions. In the Eastern Church, we're not concerned about how many times they kick the cat down the stairs. That's it's, We don't want you to kick the cat down the stairs. But the numerical list is sort of a Western thing. But we... we Contents uh, on the virtues that we have not practiced. And this is a very serious thing. You heard of the story about the guy and he, he and his mother in law didn't get along. So he bought a new car. And uh, she went out and drove the car around, she went over a cliff. But she, she survived, and he's sitting at home crying. He said, what are you crying for, your mother-in-law? Said, oh, no, it's, I lost my new car. So he could repent a little. It's a sort of funny story. Sometimes we repent the wrong, the wrong things. We should always be examining every day a particular examination of conscience. Now maybe sometimes at night, but you're too terrible, at least, so you say you're at contrition, that's okay. The nuns used to say, always say you're at contrition, so if you die during the night, you're going to make it. Your intention was to live the good life. So, in the monastery, we're reading, as we're told to do in our instructions from the Holy Fathers, the, the, the ladder. And sometimes it's pretty rough. I think it's pretty rough. But uh, and they still go on with it, and I'm supposed to do that. In uh, Christmas time fast, we read the rule. It's my, the rule is not as, as tough as the, the ladder. Uh, but, you know, you're going to sit down there and read that, and you have to be prepared. You have to know yourself pretty well. And you have to fast. So that's why we read the letter during Great Lent. 
because then you are open by fasting, you start defeating your passions and you're open to reform. If we don't fast, we're not open to reform and it's hard even to make a good confession. So fasting actually, especially when it comes to purity and anger and all these greed, really you need to fast. And you have to fast in those areas. So I was uh, given a priest country to Byzantine priests, and there were quite a few married priests there. And I did not make a special case for them. They still have to do all that stuff. The most important thing you have to fast from is passion. If you practice passions, you block out your advancement towards God because those overwhelming passions destroy your quiet in your heart. It's in your heart, in the prayer of the heart, where you encounter God. Not in miracles and things like that, no. They're unusual, but encountering God in your heart is not unusual. People who I find out are leading a spiritual life, when they come to me for confession, I ask them, how is your heart? What's going on? I want to hear, it's peaceful and serene. That means he's under control, or she. That means their passions have not taken over. But that question is not really asked. You come to confession, you find out that, well, I stole the money and I, I ate too much and uh, I don't say my morning prayers. And, uh, well, this is sort of, you know, an exercise in futility unless you're going to reform your life. So supposedly in theology, they said to go to confession, one has to have a purpose, a, a intention of reform. A serious tension reform. I've heard confessions, they all do the same thing every time they come in. I can repeat their, their last confession to them. So what attempt are they making? Now some things are very hard. So a person came to confession and he had a very serious confession. He was perspiring terribly. And I said to him, they were pretty bad sins. As far as asceticism and sin, sin was winning. I said, where did you learn these things? He said, I learned them from my mother. I almost fell off the chair. I said, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you had the power to go to confession. I said, this is hard for me to say, avoid your mother. The hab bad habits in the family can be handed down to the next generation and destroy the, uh, the 
possibility of these people going up the ladder to their heavenly destiny. It's an art to raise children, holy children. And even then they give you a lot of grief because of the secular society. But I'm glad we have the ladder. I don't like it. It's too rough. I think I don't think people are that bad. But I always had a good notion of people, especially uh, Catholics trying to, honestly trying to live their life. People in good marriages and they sacrifice for each other and try to listen to each other and pray together. Not, they're not tyrants to each other. Monks are obedient. Priests who are have the light coming from them. You'll see it if you're in the condition to see it. The beauty that they reflect because of the word of God in sanctifying grace that's in them. And they face a lot of trouble. So I told them, <laughs> I said, you, know, you may not be celibate, but you should live like a celibate. The Thomas Aquinas said that, by the way. And I said, well, very few things I agree with Thomas about because he used philosophy to prove the truths of um, theology. Well, theology is revealed by God. The philosophy is man-made, so you don't do that. So I'm talking about reforming one's life today in the letter and St. John. And I'm glad we have St. John. I'm glad he's a great saint and set the standard. It's a high standard. But you're here to walk the way, to climb up Mount Sinai, to reach the cave of contemplation, and therefore be deified by God. It's just not a, a life for those crazy ascetics. It's for all of us. And you'll have a better time, and you'll be more peaceful, and you'll be closer to God. So today, we're preparing, we're very close now to Easter. All I'm talking about this is make sure you go to confession. Clean up. And when you clean up, have a firm purpose of amendment. Also, what will happen to you is you have peace in your heart, your prayer will be more pure, and the scriptures will open themselves to you. As long as you stay in the orthodoxy of the church, those messages are just fine. Those inspirations you get from scripture are fine. And the insights you get from scripture, because you know these other things and you do your spiritual reeling, is over the top. So I was listening to a tape that Sean brought down about scripture, and they were all excited because they made a connection between the Old Testament scriptures and the New Testament. Well, my goodness, we do that all the time in our liturgy. So people come to church, they say, 
I don't understand the liturgy. That's a confession. They do not understand. They have not been practically catechized. They're just going to fulfill obligation and ask God for what they want. It's okay to ask God for what you want, but you must understand the liturgy. Where does the liturgy come from? Scripture. Where do the readings come from? They're either paraphrased or straight from Scripture. The love of God is all over John's Gospel. You want to fall in love with God? Eat every page. But if you're not formed, you had not been catechized, you come up with some undigested cheese or something, and you think you know Scripture. I meet people, they quote to me their favorite texts, and they tell me they're good Christians. I think they're just pushy, and they got some nerve to talk to a priest like that, like he would know Scripture. Of course, there's always room for improvement. So now is the crucial time. Now we're three, what, two weeks away from Holy Week. Now, examine your conscience, reform your life. Prepare yourself for good confession. Experience the loving embrace, the divine energies of God within your heart. And the opening of your heart to understand through prayer and meditation the message of God that is for you. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.